Uh, last Sunday morning, I was privileged to be here on the front row just enjoying the service. And during praise and worship last, last week, God spoke this to me, this scripture for today. And so it's been quite a week of just trying to hear what all the Spirit is, is saying and, and I believe the Spirit wants to say to this church through, through this, this, uh, these verses. John 10, 7 through 11. Then said Jesus unto them again, Verily, verily, I say unto you, I am the door of the sheep. All that ever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved and shall go in and out and find pasture. The thief cometh not, but for to steal, and to kill, and to destroy. I am come that they might have life, and that they might have it more abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. And I want to share with you this morning from this thought, the door to abundant life. The door. To abundant life. Can we ask God to be with us today? Father, we come thanking you for your presence and your power. We thank you for your word. And I'm thanking you in advance for working in the lives of everyone that will at least just crack the door. I pray especially for people that, that desperately need a word from you, whether this is the first time they've ever been here or if they've been here for decades. Help us today. Give us personal revelation of your word. In Jesus' name, and can the church say amen. Amen. God bless you as you're seated. Shepherding. Jesus made references in his ministry regarding shepherding. I have often said that if the church would gain a greater understanding of shepherding, farming, fishing, and war strategy, we can learn much about our position and our approach for kingdom expansion. There's so much in those topics. But today, shepherding would be our focus topic. It's so important for a congregation to understand the vital biblical role and positioning of the under-shepherd, which is the pastor, under the chief shepherd, which is King Jesus. 1 Peter 5 and 4 says, And when the chief shepherd shall appear, you shall receive a crown of glory that fadeth not away. And so the shepherd was to predominantly lead, feed, and protect. When we're speaking about leading and feeding, our mind goes to green pastures and still waters that the word speaks of. Now, if we would then take shepherding in that sense and we would add it to the clear focus of, of Acts 6 and 4 where the apostles said that we will give ourselves continually to prayer and the ministry of the Word, 
And then if we would add that to the clear purpose of the fivefold ministry in which the pastor is included, and that purpose is clearly of the fivefold ministry to mature us for the work of the ministry. And so in these days when the church must be on purpose of King Jesus like never before, we see how shepherding, apostolic focus, and the fivefold ministry really provides a very clear picture of what congregations and churches should expect from their pastors or under-shepherds. So I personally believe that, that we need to intentionally discard any other expectation that we could have of our pastor beyond a clear biblical expectation. I see it clearly as I travel. It's the unbiblical expectations of pastors that's drastically limiting kingdom expansion. Now, I'm going to get back on to what I'm preaching about, but I really felt led yesterday to share this with you, what I'm saying right now. I, I had dinner this last week with a, a pastor and his wife that, that I have a lot of respect for, and he was telling me about a new book he was reading, and he brought it up online on his phone, and he showed it to me, and it was a book that talked about the ten roles of the pastor. And just as soon as, and he's enjoying that book, he said, I don't, I, I'm grappling with some of that. And I looked at him and I said, I guess so, that's too much. I said, that, that's, way, that's too much. That's, that's uh, way off, off course. You need to just look clearly in the Bible at what you're supposed to be doing and just stay right, right in there. I would say to new life, God's got us in a tremendous position for amazing kingdom expansion. And let's not get into all that nonsense of non-biblical expectation that we would have of our pastor. Let's get biblical. Let's get biblical. Because I believe that is the will of God. Shepherding. It's very predominant in Scripture. David was a shepherd before he was a warrior or a king. One of the most popular and loved readings in the entire Bible is Psalms 23 that starts off, The Lord is my shepherd. The birth of King Jesus was intentionally announced to shepherds among others. Jesus is called the chief shepherd. But when we consider closely how Joseph instructed his brothers to respond to Pharaoh. Now Joseph has been revealed to his brothers, and now it's time to move them into a land where they can be sustained. But Joseph knows that there's going to have to be an introduction to Pharaoh. In Genesis 46:34, we see that ye shall say thy servants' trade hath been about cattle from our youth even until now, both we and also our fathers, that ye may dwell in the land of Goshen. For every shepherd is an abomination unto the Egyptians. Every shepherd is disgusting to the Egyptians. Every shepherd is an abhorrence to the Egyptians. 
We know if we've studied the Word of God that Egypt, that Egypt is portrayed in the Word of God as a type of sin and the world. And so no wonder the Egyptians despised shepherds. Today, one common way the spirit of the world is manifest in the church is by an unwillingness to be shepherded or guided or directed. There are many, or some, I should say, that, that only want a preacher, but not a pastor. And so the question is, will we allow our under-shepherd, our pastor, to lead us based on the spirit and word of the chief shepherd as we commit to being all we can be to expand the sheepfold? Will we follow him as we follow Christ? I believe I'm with many, many people that say yes and amen. That's exactly what we will do. I also believe because of the spirit of the world that I'm probably among some that need to make some adjustments. And the good news is, is we're all still breathing and those adjustments can still be made. But ultimately, it's all about the direction of King Jesus, our chief shepherd. The one who clearly said, and I will read it again, in John 10, 9 through 11, I am the door. By me, if any man enter, he shall be saved, and shall go in and out, and find pasture. The thief cometh not, but for to steal, kill, and destroy. But I am come that they might have life, and that they might have it more abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep, and that's why I'm preaching today the door to abundant life. I promise you that, that if we will walk into him, our life will be a life of fulfillment and true abundance. He came, he said very clearly, that we could have life and that we would have life more abundantly. He said that. Now, I know in other times that I've ministered, I've talked about us aligning with the purpose of God to where he said, I am come to seek and to save that which was lost, and that is the purpose of God. He also said, I have come to destroy the works of the devil. That is also the purpose of God. But we also need to remind ourselves that he said to us, I came that they, us, might have life and that we might have it more abundantly. He also came for that. So I'm talking today to people that might find yourself living life less than abundant. There are many that do not even understand what true abundant life is all about. I hope to help you with that through the Word momentarily. But we could all load up on buses and we could go right now to Union or Regional and we could take a tour through intensive care, the intensive care unit, and we would find people that were alive. But we would all agree they are not alive abundantly. I say today that there are too many Christians there are too many people that are settling for intensive care living spiritually and emotionally. 
I believe there are too many people that are just settling. It's kind of like when you can, when you get your head beat in so much this way and then beat in so much that way and then life beats you down here and beats you down there and you hit a brick wall this way and you turn and hit another brick wall. It's easy just to just kind of decide, okay, well, then this is all life is ever going to be. This must be my lot in life. I, I must be one of those that, that I am put here on earth just to be an example to everybody else about how you don't want to live life. And I come to every one of you that could be thinking that and say, that might work for the atheist. That, that might work for somebody that does not believe in God. That may work for somebody that sees God as some cosmic sadist that is just waiting to make your life miserable. But for those of us that believe that Jesus Christ is the door, for those of us that believe when he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, It's different with us. There is a major difference in having a bad day or a bad season and accepting a bad life. My king said, I have come. Hey, Terry, I have come that you, Terry, might have life and not just intensive care life spiritually and emotionally, but I have come that you might have life and you might have it more abundantly. He didn't come to this earth. God did not robe himself in flesh. God did not condescend in such a manner and minister in the flesh of Jesus Christ like he did. And then ascend and say, you go tarry, and there's going to be my spirit poured out on you. He didn't say, and my spirit is just going to be able to keep you alive on, on machines. My spirit is only going to be powerful enough to keep you breathing as long as you have something else connected to you. That is not what he said. He said, I am come that thou might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. I'm telling all of us today and somebody that really needs to hear it that he came to give abundant life and there is true life in him. You're not going to find it anywhere else, but I promise you, you can find true life in Jesus Christ. True life in Jesus if he is the door and we enter that door, we enter the abundance of what's in him. So if he is the door and we enter into that door, then we find salvation and grace and peace and love and life and faith and power. Everything that he is. When he says, I am the door... If any man enter in, if we walk into him, then we will have all that he is through every season of our life, whether good or bad. 
You say, well, preacher, don't you know there are some bad seasons? Yes, I do, and so did uh, about everybody in the Bible that we preach about. We see in 2 Corinthians 4, 8, and 9, Paul had it down pretty good. But he said this, and understand what he's saying. We are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Cast down, but not destroyed. So why could he say it like that in verse 8 and 9? Well, the answer was in verse 7. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels, that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. This is the reason why we can be troubled and not distressed, that we can be living an abundant life and be troubled. But that abundant life through Jesus Christ, who is the door, will keep us from being distressed. That there will be days, yes, we will be perplexed. You better believe it. Has anybody here had days where you were perplexed? Well, there's a difference in being perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted is one thing, but even when we're persecuted, don't think you're forsaken. And you may even be here today cast down, but, but let this burn in your mind. You're not destroyed. And so what the enemy will try to get us to do is, is believe that we are made for distress and despair and, and to be forsaken or destroyed. But we must choose the door. It's up to us to choose the door to abundant living. And there is only one door. And that is King Jesus Christ, our chief shepherd. I'm telling us today, we can have life more abundantly. Now I have to be fair. And I have to warn about some thieves that are very faithful to work the road to abundance. John 10 and 10 said it, The thief cometh not but for to steal and kill and destroy. There are several thieves I could talk about today, but there's not enough time and our attention spans only are so big, and I understand that because it seems like mine is shrinking every day. But I would like to bring out two uh, thieves on this road, and one of those is two words, and that is weights and sins. Hebrews 12 and 1 tells us, Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, and, and what a word that is, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Now, I tell you that as far as the enemy is concerned, any weight and any sin will do. The enemy does not care what weight I will accept in my life. He's fine with that, as long as I will accept a weight that will slow me down and frustrate my, my walk or keep me from going through that door or staying focused on that door or the sin that doth so easily beset us. The reason why the enemy 
focuses on these thieves is because the enemy of our soul knows the Word of God better than we do. And he knows that Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Now, I'm not going to spend a lot of time here, but would you please hear me when I make this plea? If you are here today and you are entangled with weights that are weighing you down, if you are here today and you are entangled with sin that maybe is public or maybe it's private, maybe it's something that you're hoping to God that will never become public, I am begging you today to get help. I am begging you today to start with King Jesus. And then if you need to talk to your pastor, don't don't keep your weights and your sins in the dark. Because in the dark, the enemy wins. In the dark, the enemy will continue to drive you in the ground. In the dark, deception becomes bigger and bigger. In the dark, the web gets thicker. But when you decide, I'm going to drag this, I'm going to kill this thief by going to God first, and then I'm going to drag this into the light with a human that I trust, I promise you, when light comes in to situations, darkness has to go. I'm speaking to somebody today. You could be in a web, and I promise you, as long as you try to fight that web by yourself, that web is only going to get stronger. It's, it's going to suffocate you. But I am preaching about the one that said, I am come that you might have life. And you might have life not barely alive, hiding in a web under the cover of darkness. But I am the what? I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. I am the light of the world. I am the answer. I am the door. Somebody today needs to step out and say, today, today, the thief dies today. Today, the thief dies today. It goes down today. That number one thief of weight and sin, it's over today. Today. And then there is another thief, a very predominant thief on the road, and that is the thief of deception. The enemy of our soul cannot overpower us. If he could, none of us would be here today. We need a revelation that the only thing that the enemy can do to us is bluff us or deceive us. The only thing the enemy can do is bluff us, get in our head, make us think that we can't win. We can't be an overcomer. We'll never get out of living in this darkness or we'll never escape the web. That's the enemy that bluffs or deceives, makes, makes us think things that are not of God and convince us that they are. The enemy gets an easy win when we're deceived into looking for life in all the wrong places. 
And one such deception so rampant in the church world today is the prosperity gospel. It's also known as the health and wealth gospel. It's promoted from many pulpits. Thank God, not this one. And many more hearts desire it than pulpits are preaching it. It's a two-part deception. Number one, it says that financial well-being is God's reward or sign of approval for Christians. Number two, it says that sufficient faith or positive mindsets and monetary donations to churches will garner the approval of God and thus serve to increase one's wealth. Now, this doctrine is very disturbing. It's disturbing for many reasons, one of which is it's very inviting. It's a very inviting deception, but it openly opposes the Word of God. Luke 9, 23, and he said to them all, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. Luke 12, 15 says, and he said unto them, take heed and beware of covetousness for a man's life consisteth not in the abundance of the things which he possesseth. It's like Brother Hoffman said when he was teaching at Indiana camp meeting a few days ago. He said the prosperity doctrine of Mercedes and Rolex doesn't preach well in third world countries. And to that I say, but the doctrine of abundant life preaches good everywhere. The doctrine of abundant life preaches good everywhere. It preaches real good. There's a man we know very well. He's pastoring in a resettlement village in the Philippines. His name is Pastor Tom. He's one of the most powerful men of God that I know on the planet. And he, his people live in trash. His, I can't even tell you what, what the situation is there. Whenever we were there doing church for them, uh, literally you, there's open sewage running in some of these areas. It is absolutely Absolutely amazing. But I can tell you this, Pastor Tom, today, today he is living abundantly. Pastor Tom, today, it has nothing to do with what we drive or nothing to do with what we live in. We've got to understand this, that there is a thief that is after us to take away our abundant living, and that thief is deception. Somehow I was placed on the mailing list of a magazine and the title of it is Voice of the Martyrs. I wish that every high school age person and up would read it. Those people that I read about, they understand abundant life. The magazine was initiated in 1967 by Richard and Sabina Wormbrand. Richard wrote a book, and in the name of his, the name of his book is Tortured for Christ. I've shared this over this pulpit before, but it it, uh, it works today, too. Here's what he said. He said, it was strictly forbidden to preach to other prisoners. It was understood that whoever was caught would be beaten severely. A number of us decided to pay the price for the privilege of preaching. So we accepted their terms. It was a deal. We preached, and they beat us. We were happy preaching. They were happy beating us. So everyone was happy. 
Let me tell you about what Richard found. Richard found abundant life. Richard realized that they may persecute me, but they won't finish me. Richard realized that I might be cast down, but I'm not destroyed. He had connected in to that abundant life. Hear me today when I say abundant life is not just having a good house, a good, good food to eat, car, and nice clothes. Abundant living is not about a retirement account or accounts. It's not about raising decent, moral, productive children, being able to become a grandparent or great-grandparent, and then after a good long life, having an honorable homegoing service. Now, everything that I said is nice, and, and we would all enjoy that well. But I promise you, you can have every bit of that and not have abundant life. I personally believe that the clear strategy for abundant life uh, is this. Many won't like it, but I believe that if we would take John 10 and 9 and Philippians 4 and 11, we could find our way as we walk through the door of Jesus Christ to abundant life. John 10 and 9, yet again, I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved and shall go in and out and find pasture. It is lived by walking through the door that is King Jesus. And then it's also learning that dreaded C word in Philippians 4 and 11. Not that I speak in respect of want. For I have learned in whatsoever state therewith to be content. There is a learning process to contentment. We will not have abundant life apart from learning contentment. Learning contentment in any state that we're in. You can believe contentment is not a popular American word. Not at all. More is the popular American word. Not content, but more. There's just many Americans that all they want is more. And many Christians, unfortunately, are thinking more like the world than they are the word and so when we allow our mind to focus on what the world is saying is abundant living, what the world is saying is success, what the world is saying we should be and how we should react, there is absolutely no way to find abundant life. There is no way to find abundant life when we're looking for it the way the world looks for it. But if we will take the Word of God, and if we will ignore what the world is saying, and we will get our mind into the Scripture and allow the Scripture to get in us, then we can understand that Jesus Christ is the life, and, and He is the abundant life giver. And He came to give it to me, and to you, 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 and to you. And to you, and to you, and every yous that are in this building or watching by way of webcast, Jesus Christ is that door. He said, I am the door in John 10 and 9. By me, here's the big word. It's one of the biggest little words in our vocabulary. If. I am the door by me, if. Any man enter in, he shall be saved. 
That's the most important thing today. If you're here and you've not been saved, that is the most important thing. If you have not been born again into the kingdom of God, as John 3 speaks of, if you have not repented of your sins and been baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, and we're ready for that to happen today. We're ready. We've got it all. Robes, clothes, hair dryers, combs. You, we're ready. We're ready today. For anyone, if you have not been baptized in the name of Jesus, we have some people that will talk to you. We'll explain that in Scripture. It's not about joining this church. If you get baptized today in Jesus' name, you will not be a member of New Life Fellowship. We don't baptize for membership. We baptize for the remission of sin. Sin has to be remitted. You can't live life abundantly. You can't come through that door apart from this. Ye shall be saved and shall go in and out and find pasture. He said, I am come. Not, we have come. Abundant life is you and a Jesus thing only. Only. Abundant life is me and a Jesus thing only. Yes, it helps if everybody in the house is is trying to live abundantly, that's wonderful. If, if, if you're dating somebody and you both want to live abundantly by Scripture, that's wonderful. If you're engaged, that's wonderful if both of you are wanting to pursue biblical abundant living. If you're married, God knows that is just absolutely wonderful. Yes, as a matter of fact, uh, and I'm not the pastor here, but if you're dating somebody and you're both not wanting to seek after uh, biblical abundant living, then please quit dating. Uh, you somebody have enough guts to break that crazy relationship off. And if you're engaged, if you're engaged, God forbid you would stay engaged to somebody that is not biblically seeking after abundant living. Now, if you're married, work it out. Work it out. He said, I am come, not we are, are come. Others can frustrate us, but no one else has the power to stop us from receiving and living abundant life. We give too many other people too much power in our lives. We give people way too much power in our lives whenever it comes to us. So I'm saying today what Jesus said, I, not we. He alone is the door to abundant life. He did not say, your family and I come. That you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. Jesus didn't say, your friends and I, we have come. That you might have life and you might have it more abundantly. Jesus didn't say, your position in the church or in a company or in business or in life. We 
me and your position. We have come that you might, or, or we have come, me and your status, me and your self-confidence. We have come to build you up and together, or, or your good perception. He, he didn't say any of that. He said, I have come that, ye, that they, speaking of us, that we might have life and that we might have it more abundantly. My, the word of God to you today is really pretty simple. Would you just get everybody else right now out of your mind, and would you look and decide in your life, am I living abundantly or am I not? Have I walked into that door of Jesus Christ? Is Jesus Christ everything in my life? Is Jesus Christ number one in my life? Am I more concerned about what Jesus thinks of me than my spouse? Am I concerned what Jesus thinks of me more than my friends? Am I concerned what Jesus... Am I more concerned about that? He is the only door to abundant living. You cannot live abundantly apart from Jesus Christ. And as we stand together right now, I am believing that there are going to be some people that are going to decide right now, today, I'm walking through the door. I'm readjusting my thinking. And I will not settle for less than abundant living. That word goes to you that this is the first time you've ever walked in here. And this goes to the most veteran apostolic saint that is in this building. I just know what the Spirit of God told me to deliver. And I am speaking boldly right now that God wants to adjust some people's thinking and allow you to know that you're off course in, in the direction in where you're expecting abundant life, that it's only going to come through Jesus Christ. So if the Spirit has talked to you, if you, if you feel a pulling in your spirit, to either start that road to abundant living by walking through that door for the first time, or you need to adjust some of your thinking. Would you not think twice? Would you just step out and walk to, this, to the front, to this altar area, and stand as close as you can? Stand as close as you can if the Spirit is speaking, because this church is going to pray for some people today, and God is going to do a, a mighty work. Come. Step out. Come as close as you can. It is not willing that we live life spiritually or emotionally in intensive care. Keep coming. Keep coming and thank you for responding. If you need to understand more about giving your heart to God or the plan of salvation, if you would, if, if you would get Tim, Tim, I want you to raise your hand. Raise your hand high right here. Maybe even some of our guests, you, you might not know where. If you would come to this side, we have a minister who will talk to you, will not pressure you, will just answer some questions. 
But now everyone that has walked forward, would you close your eyes right now? Church, would you stretch your hand toward the front? Now everyone who has walked forward, can we start talking to God right now and just and just prepare our hearts for His Spirit to speak? Just prepare your heart. Father, we come. We want our thinking. We want our mindset. We are praying against any thief that has gotten into our minds. Church, some of you standing back in the, in the uh, chairs right now, you need to be led by the Spirit on how to pray for people that, that have walked down. We, we need a strong prayer from the seats right now. Some of you prayer warriors back there, tune in to what the Spirit is saying right now. I want us all in this building, front to back. I want us to pray right now against the, the thief of deception. Can we do it? Father, we come. Father, I am praying against any deceiving thought, any deceiving seed that has gotten into the mind of any of your people. God, whether it's the seed of bitterness or unforgiveness or thinking a different manner, we pray against that right now. We pray there will be an alignment. An alignment. A spirit alignment. Church, I want us to pray right now for anyone that is in the bondage of sin. Can we all pray about that right now? If it's you, go to repentance right now. Let's, if, if, you're, if you're in the web of sin, it could be something somebody knows about. It could be something you're hiding. Can this church right now, as a church body, can we pray for our brothers and sisters that are bound by sin? Let's do it right now. Father, in your name, by the power of your spirit, there is no sin that is too big. There is no sin that is too great. There is none. We bring it to you. We bring it to you. I pray, God, they will have the power to make the decision to move forward, to not allow this. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Now, those of you that walk to the front, would you close your eyes and lift your hands to heaven? And would you expect the Spirit of God to speak to you? Would you just lift your hands and expect the Spirit of God to speak to you? Expect the Spirit of God.